everybody. I'm Tom Farrell. And I'm Sean Swarner. And we are here today with another Hope Podcast. Helping others persevere every day. Today, we're going to talk about failure, Sean. Not, not a topic that we're going to dwell on too much. In fact, we're going to turn failure inside out because there's a, uh, an expression that was on a poem uh, that my mom provided to me way back when, when I was in high school. And um, I carry it around to this day. So 35 years later, I still have this don't quit poem in my wallet that my mom gave me. And I'll read you just the first verse. Um, and it'll give you a, kind of an indication of the, the style and tone, what this poem is about. But you can easily Google it and look it up. Uh, it's called Don't Quit. And the first verse goes like this. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. And so I think that is a really good springboard for us today to get into this conversation about failure in life. And when failure does happen, that's when you have to turn it inside out and turn it into success. Because there's another line in this poem that says success is failure turned inside out, which I love and I subscribe to. So um, I'm sure there have been times in your life where you failed and wanted to know if there's any that pop to mind that, that you want to share with us? Well, first, I, I love that poem. And uh, I think, like you said, failure is, is, is success turned inside, or success is failure turned inside out. And I don't think most people understand that we, from the moment we're born, we all have an uphill challenge. We all have an uphill struggle. Nothing, unless you're royalty, you know, nothing has just given to you. And I, I don't think I've ever had somebody give me a car or give me a house or, or, or give me people to bathe me. It, it just has never happened. So years and years and years of, of struggle, it, it's, it's just how you decide and how you choose to see it, I think. And I think that's probably the key word, choose, choice. You know, everybody, no matter what situation they're in, they always have a choice on how they want to react. And you know, again, you know, since I'm, I'm a guy with the stories, um, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was battling through my first cancer and my parents and I both wanted to, to get a break from that. You know, we were probably six or seven months into the chemotherapy. Uh, my first cancer, I was 13 years old. And I figured, you know, we, we need to feel some sense of normalcy. We need to feel something normal as opposed to this family with a sick child going through cancer. So they actually took me to a hotel with some friends, you know, it was uh, in Sandusky, Ohio, near Cedar Point. I don't know if anyone's, if you're familiar with that, but it's like the world's uh, biggest and, or best roller coaster park. And we were there and I remember playing putt putt, like mini golf inside the hotel. And like I said, they wanted me to feel normal. So my friends came and a couple days later, I actually had came down with a fever of 108 degrees. And they were obviously terrified because uh, both my family and, and I realized that I, I could potentially die of, because of my compromised immune system. I could die of the common cold. But they, we also realized that I wasn't ready to be out and about yet. You know, and and that's, that's probably a great analogy for what's going on now, but I, I wasn't ready just because my body wasn't ready to handle that. And, and I literally could have died. 
but I, I saw that as, as a setback. I, I didn't really see it as a failure. I saw it as, you know, whatever you might want to say, God, the universe, signs, whatever it might be, telling me, hey, hold off a bit. You know, just, just take some time for you. And I think so many people don't do that. So many people don't realize that maybe when you're, when you're kicked in the teeth a little bit and you're knocked back down, that's time for you to just step back, reassess, build yourself stronger, and then move forward. You know, look at, look at what didn't work the first time you tried to do it. Look at why you quote unquote failed and then change some things and then move forward. Just reassess when something goes wrong. It's like anything in life, Sean, your failures are actually your stepping stones. So, you know, you fail at whatever it is, uh, a homework assignment, you fail in sports, you fail in a business meeting. But what you have to remember is that you can't stay down on the canvas when you fail. You take steps from that failure and you learn and you move forward. And the next time you're probably going to do a lot better than you would have done that first time. You may have succeeded, but maybe by the skin of your teeth, but that failure taught you something in order to move forward. So I'm definitely in agreement with you there, but there's people who, who I think somehow have trouble getting over that failure. And a lot of time is wasted when they keep thinking about that failure. And you're really good at getting your mind in a different spot. And so as failures pop up in your life, what are some of the things that you do with your mind to get, get yourself in a different spot? Well, you know, a, a couple of things. I, I realized that um, what, what I'm doing and, and what I want for my life isn't necessarily what others want for me. So that way, you know, I have a different, I have a different perspective on failure. So when, when others think I have failed, in my eyes, you know, I was successful at climbing Everest. My goal was, was, was being there. You know, obviously the goal, the ultimate goal is to make it to the top. But in my eyes, I, I was happy. And in my eyes, I was successful being on the mountain. I was going after something that no one had ever done before. But so many people may have said, oh, if, if, if you don't make it to the top, you failed. But I think I had to define my own. Uh, I, I didn't look at what my own definition of success was. And it wasn't based off what other people wanted for me. It was what I wanted for myself. And I think that's, that's really difficult, especially with, with so much social media out there, because, you know, your neighbor could post a, uh, a picture of a new car and then you get upset because you want the new car and you try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. So you, one of the things that my parents taught me when I was younger was I never had to be the best. I had to be my best. And I think that goes along with success and failure. It's hand in hand, where if you're looking at what other people have and you want that too, you're, you're never going to be happy. And, and going back to, to failure, I actually came down with high altitude cerebral edema at about, 20, uh, about uh, 24, 25,000 feet on the side of Everest, which is um, altitude induced swelling of the brain. And the only way to get rid of that is to go down an altitude. And I, I, I literally and physically could not move. So I stayed there for two nights sleeping on oxygen. And what happened was I was going too high too fast. And it was, and, and I, I had to go back to base camp and recoup and recover and then go back stronger. It was a lot like going through the chemotherapy treatments. You know, I, I couldn't handle another onslaught of a chemical cocktail until my blood count raised. So the first thing that, that people have to do, and the first thing that I did 
was I had to look at what my definition of success was. So for me, being on the mountain, being on Everest, that was success already. I, in my mind, I was already successful. I wasn't worried about what other people thought of me. I wasn't worried about social media. I wasn't worried about you know, tabloid stuff. It was what I wanted for me, not for other people. And I think shifting gears a little bit here, Sean, I think a lot of times what people do, I know I'm guilty of it, is that when I do encounter failure, I internalize it. And it sometimes gets worse because I make it worse in my own head rather than talking it through with someone or getting it out there for someone else to give a perspective on. And, and I think that the analogy I like to use, and I've done it before with friends, is like a corner man in boxing. Uh, a boxer's in the ring. He gets hit as hard as he can in the face. He doesn't know where he is. He's down. He gets back up. He's staggering. He goes to his corner. And who's the first person there helping him? His corner man. And so in life, I think we all need our corner men, our corner women, someone who is there who is going to help us out and someone that we can trust and get through these failures because the quicker you get it out of your mind and move past that knockout punch, the better off I think you're going to be. So um, that, that's my perspective on failure. You, you, need, you need someone there to help you out. Yeah, no, I, I agree too. But um, how do, In your life, who's your corner man or corner woman? Who, who do you talk to about those things? Yeah, it's definitely my wife. Uh, my wife, Denise, is the person that I'll go to most often. And in a cool kind of way, my kids, as they get older now, and they're adults, um, they've grown into corner men and women, too, for me. So um, I have a few, but the cornerstone for me is definitely Denise and the person that knows me better than anybody. And so it's, it's a comfortable place where I can go and talk things through. And the other thing that's really good about Denise is that she tells me what I need to hear and not what I want to hear and not what she thinks I want to hear. She just tells me the truth. And that is half the battle sometimes because um, we've all been in situations where you ask people for advice and they sugarcoat the advice because they don't want to make you feel bad and they don't want to hurt your feelings. But um, yeah, that is not a worry for me with my wife, Denise. <laughs> so is, is, is she there with you right now? She is not. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're saying, you you're saying all these nice things, <laughs> right? Well, you know, you know that old saying that uh, behind every successful man is a woman who puts up with his crap, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's put up with plenty of it, that's for sure. <laughs> How about you? Do you have a, a corner person that you go to? I, I do. It's it's also my wife, Julissa. And no, she's not here with me either. She's she's downstairs getting ready for the uh, the space launch. Um, she she's always there to support me. And and I I'm a very patient person with other people. You know, I'm I've I've been called a saint before, and that's not because of the things that I've done, but because of of the uh, the, the patience I have. But I don't have patience for myself. So in my eyes, I do have a, a lot of failures, and it's because things don't happen fast enough. So she's the one who, who reels me back, who keeps me in line and tells me, you know what, you'll get over this. Things, things will be all right. So I always talk to her and tell her you know, everything that's going on. 
and, and she always supports me with it. Now we all need that person. And I think we should seek out that person in our life, whoever it may be, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a sibling, find that person in your life and trust them because that's half the battle. You just have to trust that person. And if that trust is built and is there and established, it's amazing the weight that you can get off of, off of your shoulders. Now, sometimes you're relaying that onto their shoulders, but it's a two-way street for most people because they also have somebody um, that, they, that they can go to. So yeah, I, I think that's a big, big factor. And another big factor I have found with failure is that it makes success that much sweeter. And so if you don't fall off your bicycle when you're learning how to ride your bicycle, well then when you start putting that motion, that bike into motion and you really get it, it makes it that much sweeter and, and the feeling is, is indescribable. And I, I take the earliest success for most kids is that learning how to ride a bike is just such an accomplishment because no doubt about it, there's a lot of skin knees that come before they hop up on the bike and they master it. And I think the same can be said in life that if, if you don't get the promotion, if you don't um, find that perfect relationship the first time, the first relationship that you're in, you learn something from that that's going to make the next job opportunity, the next relationship, the next whatever it is in your life that much sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I actually knew a guy years ago who when he turned 30, he was going to inherit $30 million. And yeah, wow. Let, let me tell you, let, let me ask you, what, what do you think his work ethic was like? It was non-existent. I mean, he just, she just racked up credit card bills. And when he turned 30, 30 years old, he inherited $30 million. I, I called it, he, well, he was a trust fund baby, but he tried to pretend like he was a Rastafarian, you know, really cool and chilled out. I called him a Trustafarian. You know, he, he had everything given to him. And when he got that $30 million, I don't know what's going on with him now. I mean, he probably owns a company somewhere because daddy or mommy bought it for him. But not many people get that. And it's also like winning the lottery. Say you win $10 million or you work your butt off to, to earn that $10 million. You have more of an emotional attachment to it. You're, you're more proud of your accomplishments as opposed to, oh, I was lucky. You know, you, you have, you own what you've done, you know, and, and so many people don't realize too, that if, if you do have setbacks, there are opportunities to reevaluate. You know, like I said earlier, there, 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 it's an opportunity to look around and not see obstacles and not see all the things that you can't do. You learn what didn't work. So you see opportunities and, and you see all the things that you can do. You know, going up Everest, so many people died. Obviously, they were trying to go up the wrong way. You know, unfortunately, because of, of their deaths, now people know the right and, and proper route to get up there. That'll, that'll save lives. You know, obviously, that's, that's a little drastic. And, and when most people have setbacks, they're not going to die. You've had plenty of setbacks in, in your life. Um, and um, you've always found a way to rebound. And that's one of the things that I admire about you because 
um, if there was ever a person who could have stayed down on the canvas, it was you, but you decided to go just the opposite route. And I think that's what is the magnetic part of your personality is that people have, have that, okay, if Sean can do it, I can do it too. And, and you help to spread that. But it's, it's the people sometimes that gets, get, we've talked about this before, get stuck in the failure part that I get concerned about. And, and really uh, want to try to focus on, on helping them. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, going through my cancer the first time was awful. Going through the second time, I realized when I got diagnosed, I didn't want to go through that again. You know, I knew I was going to lose my friends. I knew I was going to lose my, my hair. I knew I was going to gain 60, 70 pounds, lose 50, 60 pounds, whatever it might be. I knew my life, my entire life was on pause. But I also knew that it was temporary. And I also knew that things were going to get, were going to get better. So I think that what, what really helps is understanding that things are always going to get better. If, if you're looking for the good stuff in life, you're going to get the good stuff. If you're looking for the bad stuff in life, you're going to get the bad stuff. You know, and, and it, it, it comes from a core level. You know, I'm sure you know the people who, when something bad happens to them, their, their first response is, see, I told you that was going to happen. You know, because they knew in their heart, they knew in their soul that it wasn't going to happen. But if you turn it around and you know in your heart, you know in your core that it is going to happen, that's where the difference is made. And that's where the, that's where the success comes from. And that's where the opportunities come from. And that's where looking again at, at um, neuroplasticity, you know, you're programming your brain to be successful. Besides, why would you want to sit down on the canvas? Why would you want to sit down there and say, oh, woe is me? You know, coming out on the other side of cancer, uh, I think you have two choices. And again, there's that word choice because you can choose how you want to come out. I can't tell you how many people when they are survivors, like, oh man, look what I went through. You know, this sucks. This is awful. I look at it as like, hey man, I have a second lease on life. I'm going to go live it. You know, I'm, I'm more afraid of not living than I am of dying. And I think so many people don't understand that. You know, life, life goes by way too quickly. If, if you want to do a little test, this is scary. Grab a piece of paper, turn it sideways so it's, it's horizontal. Draw a line across the piece of paper. On one side, write down the four, year, the, the, the four number digits of the year that you were born. Add about 80 years to that and put that number on the right side. That's your lifeline. Jeez. You know, you, ha you now have a physical representation of roughly how long you're going to live because on a long enough timeline, every single person on earth dies. It's, it's a fact, you know, so what, what are you going to do between your birth and your death? Do you want to look back at your life and regret all the things that you didn't do, how pissed off you were at the world, how angry you were, or do you want to look back at your life on your deathbed smiling and think to yourself, man, I was really blessed. Yeah, I'll take the latter. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to, before I wrap up today, I'm going to read the, the last paragraph for this poem. But, but before we get to that, one of the things that I love doing on these podcasts with you is a couple of little takeaways for people. And so hearing you talk, are there, are there three takeaways <laughs> that you could give to people real quick um, that if they do encounter a failure in their life, um, that they could go to in their Sean Swarner bag of tricks to try to try to help them overcome that failure? I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. The first one would probably be know that 
just like many things, know that it's not a permanent state. You know, it's not a permanent condition. It's a temporary state. That's why. Um, exactly. <laughs> the second one I would say would be use what you're going through as fuel to, to become stronger. You know, add, add fuel to the fire. If it's something where, you know, maybe it might be tough love. Hey, you can't do that. You know, prove them wrong. Prove yourself wrong. Um, and maybe the third one would be look at, look at what didn't work while reaching your goals. Look at why you are in the position you're, you're in, eliminate those and move forward stronger. Solid. Try something else. Solid. And keep swinging. Exactly. Keep swinging for the fences. One day you'll hit it. Yep. I, I believe that. So here's the last paragraph of this poem that we'll end with today. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell just how close you are. It may seem, it may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. I love that. So Sean, uh, we'll end like we end every show. I appreciate our friendship. I'm grateful for the time that we get to spend and just kind of, um, shoot the breeze together and so uh until next time and our next topic i'm tom farrell i'm sean swarner and that's your dose of hope for today <laughs>